Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. New video tonight of another Bay Area smash and grab. This one at a boutique in Oakland. A group of more than 30 people broke into the store, stole all the merchandise. The store, called Prime, says the security gate was ripped off its frame. According to them, this is the second time the past month the store has been robbed. The small business is fundraising to help recover. Well, that's Northern California, but California's a big state. Surely things are better, say, in L.A., Michael. Clip 26. Police officers surround the Nordstrom store at Westfield Topanga Mall after a brazen robbery. In this case, the thieves didn't have to smash. They raced in through an open door, grabbing expensive merchandise while customers were shopping. A number of suspects entered the the door here behind me and uh, took several high-end purses. Um, Unfortunately, uh, we do have a security guard here that was um, working for the store, working for Nordstrom's, uh, that was attacked by the suspects. That security guard was sprayed with a caustic chemical. He was treated by paramedics and is expected to be okay. Authorities are looking for five suspects who fled in a newer model gray Ford Mustang. All right, but that's just California. Everybody knows California's screwed up. Surely this is not spreading to virtually every blue city in America. Last night, two different Best Buys in Minnesota were hit with large-scale thefts, a recent occurrence that spans across the country. Major cities in California were hit with the same style crime earlier this week. Here at the Maplewood Best Buy, about 10 to 12 people came in and stole items before getting away. Now down in Burnsville, a larger group of 20 to 30 people made off with a large amount of electronics. Best Buy issued a statement saying, in part, As an industry, we are working with local law enforcement and taking additional security precautions where it makes sense. Ramsey County Sheriff Bob Fletcher weighed in during his live stream last night. We can't tolerate that kind of behavior. As a society, we just can't. Well, we are. So far, we are. Yeah. Uh So what's the root cause of this, or is it one of those... uh multi-causes. I keep thinking about the angle, and I and I know this is just one angle of it, um, but the angle of, because of uh, the way things work legally in this country now, no store wants their employee to stop a thief <laughs> from running out the door with stuff, because right. it's better to have a laptop stolen than to try to stop the guy, and he claims you hurt his back, and now you owe him a million dollars. Right, so yeah, liability concerns are huge. There's also a a widespread perception, a growing perception among people who would do this sort of thing that you can get away with it, obviously. But I think the the greater cause, although the liability thing's pretty big, the greater cause, and, and, and any parent knows this, any referee of sports knows this, same principle. You allow a certain amount of lawlessness or bad behavior or rule breaking, you know, elbows in the lane or whatever, the, the folks involved will always see if they can go further. They're testing limits. That was, that's what humans do. And through utopian progressive policies in the blue cities of America, we've decided in the last 15 years or so to tolerate more and more lawlessness from living on the streets, camping on the sidewalks, pooping on the streets, open drug use, decriminalizing thefts and break-ins and smashing grip. There was one guy I was reading about. His garage got broken into nine times, and I think it was a week. Oh, 
So maddening. I was trying to explain this to my kids, and like it's it's tough to make sense of this to a kid in a way that's not going to make them just like despondent or nihilists. <laughs> because right. I mean, it's just well, it's turning me into a nihilist. If you've got a world where they're not going to punish the 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 law is not going to punish anybody, and the business. For the reasons you just stated, because the way litigation works and we need tort reform or whatever it is that's going to fix that, the business can't even protect itself, and then the government's not going to protect you. How are you not a nihilist about this sort of thing? I mean, it's just it's depressing. Right, right. The The most tragic uh, incident unfolded in uh, Oakland, where a security guard was... Listen to this. He was protecting a news crew that was covering a previous smash and grab theft when they were attacked. And this poor son of a gun was shot in the abdomen. The, the, the robbers, different robbers, were trying to steal all the TV cameras and the equipment. And he told them back off. They shot him in the belly and killed him. So got two children, three grandchildren. God bless them. I took in a couple of podcasts talking about this topic over the weekend, and some of them were tied into the lifelong scumbag who used his car as a weapon and killed all those people up in Wisconsin, that he'd committed so many crimes in so many states and was still out able to do this. But the whole bail reform thing that is caught on in all your blue areas around the country, bail reform, that is in effect bail abolition. Yes. You did away with the idea of bail because you thought it was unfair. So somebody who doesn't have much money gets accused of a crime and they have to stay in jail because they can't come up with the money to get out. Well, that was the soft hearted look at it. And I get that somewhat, but it's not working. It's not working. What is happening in effect is bail abolition. And so you catch somebody breaking into to a, a store And they're out in a couple of hours, and they break into a store again that night. And there are documented examples of this all across the country. Right, right. Well, and if there's no disincentive for an activity, you're going to get more of it. And I remember in the smash and grabs in, uh, I I think it was the Union Square of San Francisco, giant shopping area, um, they caught like three out of 70 people or something like that. And then the sanction for those who are caught is is three hours of inconvenience, getting fingerprinted, getting your picture taken, probably for the 30-second time, and out you go. How much do you think those people are laughing, the people that robbed the Nordstroms? All the way to and fro. they got to be just having a party. Can you believe that? We pull up in front of the Nordstroms, we smash the glass, we steal all that stuff. They got a million dollars worth of stuff in that smash and grab in San Francisco a week ago. A million dollars worth of stuff. Um, We steal that stuff. We spend an hour having to fill out paperwork and we're back out. Woohoo! What kind of society is this? Well, and I know it. In in the uh, Home Depot in Lakewood, California, in SoCal, uh, what they stole, they went straight to the sledgehammers and hammers and crowbars. That's what they stole. They emptied the department. What do you think they're going to do with those? Carpentry? Just can you imagine burglaring your burglary tools openly, broad daylight in front of God and everybody? How's your utopia coming along, lefties? Yeah. Is that coming together for you? How long will it take to fix this? I mean, like I in California anyway, you'll probably need a prop that would take a couple election cycles maybe to get on the ballot where you'd have enough disgusted people that want to change the bail abolition laws. 
Right. Gosh, that you're going to have to recriminalize theft. Um, and then and then because there's very little sanction, as we were discussing, you're going to have people thinking, I don't care how you change the law. There's no repercussions for violating it. Change whatever law you want. So you're going to have to actually, as we uh, mentioned earlier, the excellent quote uh, from the, where is that? I put it away. Um, arrest every thief, prosecute every thief. Jail every conviction. This reminds me of um, the border situation uh, during the Obama years where people were pouring across the border and Arizona decided to do something about it on their own. And then the federal government sued Arizona and said, no, you can't do that. That's a federal job. So the government wasn't protecting you and you were told you're not allowed to. Got the same situation here. It's slightly different, and the government's not telling you you're not allowed to. Lawyers are telling you you're not allowed to. So the government won't protect you, and you can't protect yourself because of the liability. What a terrible situation to be in. Well, and on those rare occasions when people do decide to defend themselves or the business that is their entire financial life, they're accused of vigilantism, whatever that is. It used to be the sacred right to protect your life and property enshrined in English common law going back since Henry VIII was eating turkey legs off a platter. Um, but now they call it vigilantism. I tell you what, you got to be careful. Hey, hey, lawyers listening, what can we do about that? Is there anything that can be done about that? The fact that businesses can't stop thieves themselves because they're so worried about being sued? Well, yeah, this goes back, well, it's it's just related, but, uh, you know, the discussion about Kyle Rittenhouse and his situation and whether his use of deadly force was appropriate and that sort of thing, we need to have some sort of legal doctrine where if, uh, you remember, if if I go to wailing on Michelangelo and, and then... Well, and then... And what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> he says... Getty, I've had enough of your ass. And he starts wailing on me, and he's really getting the better of me. And I think, oh, this is clearly self-defense, and I shoot him in the eye. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is a particularly grisly illustration, folks, and I apologize for it. Right in the eye. The right. eye. Right. Classic <laughs> double tap right above the eye, like Osama bin Laden. Anyway, um, so I say, well, Your Honor, he was going to beat me to death. It's self-defense. No, 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 no. I initiated the violence. I can't then claim self-defense. We need a similar legal doctrine that if you are stealing purses from the Louis Vuitton store or, or hammers from Home Depot or, or what or jewelry stores are getting smashed up and grabbed. If you're in the middle of that and some shopkeeper hits you over the head with a ball bat, you don't get to sue anybody because you were committing a crime. How? What kind of society doesn't think like that? I don't know. How did we get here? Yeah, exactly. Lawyers, weigh in. Text line 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. We'll update you briefly at some point this hour on the Omicron variant. It's shown up in Canada, so it's getting close. Um, I think Gottlieb said yesterday, or and Fauci both, it's almost certainly here in the United States. We just haven't come across a test yet. But the question is, is it anything to worry about? That is the question. And nobody's really sure. Um, one phrase we have not mentioned yet today. I, I, I almost feel bad that I'm going to be the first to mention it. But no oh boy, go ahead. Cyber Monday. Oh, shut up! <laughs> it's, Stop it! It's Cyber Monday. <laughs> It's Cyber Shut Up Day. I almost didn't come into work today. (laughs) 
Now you have to come into work because your work internet connection is so much faster than your 16K connection. That never existed. If it existed, it was like for two years. Stop. <laughs> it's cyber shut-up day. <laughs> you want to buy something today? Go ahead. You want to wait till tomorrow? Go ahead. Maybe you took care of it yesterday. I don't care. <laughs> Cyber Monday. Stop it. Anyway, lawyers weigh in on that, and we got other news to uh, bring you up to speed on. Stay here. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I read that more than half of all the people said that they were exercising in the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, it might be time to cut back when we're all training for a meal, don't you feel? <laughs> yeah, the first Thanksgiving was celebrated 400 years ago in 1621. That's right. That was the... That was the first time someone finished eating, then looked at their spouse like, when are they going to leave? Yeah. Is there... Any reason to talk about the first Thanksgiving and the pilgrims and the Indians and stuff like that? Does that play a role in most people's lives? I don't feel like it does. Not I'm, past the age of nine. Well, and why did it before? Why? Why? Why is it even a thing? Well, and especially because it wasn't the holiday. It, it wasn't. It wasn't a thing until Abe Lincoln declared it out of gratitude for some, you know, Civil War going the right way. Yeah, no, no just, offense to I the just, South. <laughs> I just heard a little bit about you know indigenous this and. Oh, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And I just, that, that doesn't, none of it plays a role really in most people's lives. It's just a day that you get together with family and or friends and eat a bunch. And hopefully you do a little, you know, what are you thankful for? Right. But you don't have to tie it into Native Americans at all. I saw this headline in the USA Today. I was going to bring it up later. What is Thanksgiving to indigenous people? <laughs> a day of mourning. Why? Hmm. It's ridiculous. I don't know. Uh, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey is expected to step down, sources day say. They don't day. They say. Um, he's being forced out, more or less? Really? He Just currently, too, too freaky and spacey? He currently serves as both the CEO of Twitter and Square, his digital payments company. It's unclear who's going to succeed him, because it'd be a pretty big deal, because Dorsey himself made the decision to boot Trump off of Twitter, for instance. Which was a major thing, mm-hmm. and would be a major thing if he got let back on. Um. Anyway, so he's out. So yeah, I don't know. No, I he... always forget that he's got Square too. Please, if you offered me one or the other, I'd take Square. What is Square? I, it's the, the digital payment method. Super popular app among merchants. Is it better than Venmo? Ooh, it's different. I, it's uh-huh. mostly commercial. I How think. many of these do I need? I don't know. I, just, Apple I can't pay keep up with them all. And, yeah, I know. Matthew McConaughey, the guy who convinces you to drive a Lincoln. All right, all right, all right. He's decided not to run for Texas governor. He announced that over the weekend. Hmm. Put out a three-minute long video that I started to watch, then thought, why am I watching this? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, I read a brief transcript of it. He he calls himself a, I'm more of a uh, philosopher, poet, uh, than an administrator. Which I think is probably true. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Ah, thanks the, anyway, Matt. He seems like a thoroughly uh, interesting guy. I hope he contributes to the public uh, conversation. Oh, in the, in the modern world, though, you decide you run, run for 
governor in especially like a state like Texas. Um, and I assume he's a Republican as a religious guy. I don't he know is. that, but he is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As soon as he announces he's a Republican and he's running for governor, his life is never the same. He's never gets to be just regular charming guy on Saturday Night Live or commercial or whatever. People right. are boycotting Lincoln because of his stance on this or whatever. I mean, everything changes from that point. And yeah, I can so, understand why you wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, that is a good point. He's got more money than he needs. Sure. Um, but I think he is actually a good man and is trying to figure out how he can best contribute yeah, to I, society. He decided that wasn't the route. Good well, he's him. got more money than he needs, but I'll bet he doesn't get booed regularly when he goes to an airport or like shows up to a restaurant and people, you know, hound him at the table until he has to leave. I'm sure that never happens now. And it would start happening if right. he runs for governor. That's funny. Conservatives never do that to every other actor in America who's a liberal. By the way, the new governor of New York, the woman that replaced uh, Mr. Hansey, um, she gropes a lot. She has ordered a halt on elective surgery because of the COVID surge there in New York. No more electric elective surgery, which I'm I read includes cancer treatment. That can't be true. I th- the the definition of elective surgery is a lot broader than I had guessed. It's just anything that's not emergency surgery. And don't quote me on that, but that's more or less correct. Wow, it's bad enough in New York the governor believes that the no more elective surgery. I thought we had learned was a terrible idea. Uh, that is a terrible idea. Um, if you miss an hour of the show or you want to buy merch in time for Christmas, you go to armstrongandgetty.com. All right, we'll have the latest on the Omicron, among other things, on the way if you want to know about that. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So of your TV doctors that go on TV, Dr. Scott Lieb, Gottlieb, Scott Lieb, I've always given him that, like, Benefer name um, for some reason. Uh, Dr. Scott Gottlieb has been uh, the go-to one from the beginning for me. Um, but it's worth pointing out before he starts talking about this Omicron, or what is it called? Omicron. Right? Omicron variant. And uh, we're not going to belabor this. He is going to explain what we know about it currently, and then we'll be done. But I did want to point this out. There's a new book out from a guy named Matt Ridley. I listened to a podcast about a new book called Viral, where he gets into uh, how it started in China and all that sort of stuff, which never should be forgotten. The new Omicron, it's still a variant of what happened and started in China, and quite possibly they let escape and uh, and 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 obviously covered up and all that sort of stuff. Matt Ridley says in his book, because if it turns out it was a lab leak, this would be the most expensive accident in the history of the world. A screw up of biblical proportions. There's not even a close second. Wow. And there's no arguing with that whatsoever. Well, and in the history if- of the planet, there's nothing even close to this right and even if the explanation is the idiotic and implausible somebody ate a pangolin story uh to cover it up in the way they did to arrest doctors to to silence whistleblowers in the way china did utterly unforgivable putting aside the question of the lab leak but there might be you know maybe they've had him that him or her killed by now there might be a scientist that knows geez i started all this the biggest mistake in the history of the entire world 
Yeah. I started yeah. this. Dang well, it, you I wonder should've. why Fauci and, and uh, Peter Daszak are uh, saying no comment, no comment, and that didn't happen. Should have yeah, wa- sh- washed my hands like they told me. Oh, well, Oof. live and learn, I guess. Uh, here's Dr. Scott Gottlieb on the new variant. Do you have any indication that it's more lethal or that it makes people more ill? Yeah, not not right now. The three critical questions right now is, first, is this more virulent? So to your question, is this making people uh, more ill? Uh, there's no indication that it is, and in fact, there's some anecdotal information off of physicians in South Africa that this could be causing milder illness. Now, that could be an artifact of the fact that the initial cases seem to have been clustered in younger people, perhaps in outbreaks around the universities. The second critical question is, does this escape immunity? And this is the question that has people concerned, because when you look at the genetic sequence of this this new variant. It has a lot of mutations that we know correlate with escape from immunity that's conferred by prior infection or by the vaccines. But then the third critical question is, does that escape from immunity increase its transmissibility? And there's an assumption right now that it does. We don't have a firm answer to that question. And we won't for a couple of weeks know the answer to all those things. It's going to take a couple of weeks. On that story that got a lot of traction, so it was all bad news Saturday and then seen as all good news on Sunday, and I think both were overreactions. The idea that uh, that doctor said, I've seen milder symptoms, that's in young vaccinated people. So oh, what does yeah, that tell come you? Come on, no. All I know is I'm going to use the, uh, the phrase, that's an artifact of more often in my private That life. is pretty good. Judy tells me there are crumbs on the counter. I'll say, that's an artifact of me eating a piece of pie. (laughs) (laughs) It'll make me sound fancy. Which you did this morning, right? Before Uh, work, you had pie. What do you mean this morning? The last five mornings. (laughs) That's awesome. If I had pie, I would have eaten it. Oh, with a cup of coffee? Are you kidding me? Best thing ever. Sure. Oh, speaking of health news, I found this really interesting. It's, It's a story about a guy named Alec Oshmiansky. Alex Oshmiansky, type of dude graduated from college when I was just shuffling off at around age 18. He's one of those guys, by the time he was 23, he had two PhDs and, and an MD, and he was studying law just for fun. Weirdos. Yeah, I can't even imagine what it's like to have a brain like that instead of this stupid, half-working, dummy brain of mine. <laughs> so anyway, this guy... Uh, has an idea. Uh, he's, he's an MD, he's a radiologist, uh, among all those other things. And he had an idea for how to make drugs, prescription drugs, more affordable. And uh, he'd seen a couple of his uh, pulmonary patients die when they were waiting for a very expensive drug that would have saved their lives, but they had to go through the financial aid application, and they both croaked while while that was pending. And he got really pissed off about it. So this is kind of his jihad. So anyway, at, at one point, he sends Mark Cuban of Shark Tank fame an email, and the subject line was just cold pitch. And he never expected him to open it. Well, not only did Mark Cuban open it, but he read it and thought, hmm, not only is this a good idea, this guy needs to think even bigger. So he calls up this, uh, this uh, radiologist, who's now 33 years old, uh, and said, hey, I really, really like your concept. We just need to make it much, much bigger than you're thinking about. So long story short, they're going to figure out, or they've already begun, figure out how to manufacture generic uh, drugs and make very little profit on it, much less than 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 big pharma does. And uh, sooner or later, well, uh, sooner they're going to be up to like ninety three drugs. They started with one, but the uh, Cuban said a couple of things I thought were really interesting. 
Um, he said, I could make a fortune doing this, but I won't. I've got enough money. I'd rather F up the drug industry in every way possible. Hmm. A very, very, very Elon Musky yeah. uh, to, uh, thing to say. But it's intriguing. It's intriguing. And they talk about how... We have more fun billionaires now than we used to have. Yes. And, and they, by fun, I mean like doing cool stuff that's, that they could, they could uh, realize great benefits. Yeah, real disruptors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so um, one of the more interesting aspects of this to me was the, the doctor guy, Alex, who we were talking about, um, was trying to figure out why drugs are priced as they are. And this guy, again, is smarter than everybody in the room combined. Um, and he's, it says he didn't get far. The industry is opaque, and, and step one was simply figuring out how the many players fit together, which is no easy task, according to this uh, professor at the University of Texas. There's so many fingers in the pie between the time that a medicine is created to the time it gets to the pharmacy. It goes through multiple channels, and each tr- person is trying to get a piece. And then everybody blames each other. For the prices, pharmaceutical manufacturers set the list prices. Then they often argue that they're charging high prices to recoup their R&D. But then you've got the pharmacy benefit managers. They negotiate deals with drug makers on behalf of insurance companies, including the government, blah, blah, blah. Nobody can figure out why drugs cost what they do. That's not surprising to me. So these guys are weighing in. They're going to try to disrupt it. I think it's cool. I hope it works. And by the way, if you haven't heard this, so the new variant pops up in South Africa, and immediately people jumped to the, well, these poorer nations don't have the vaccine, and it's unfair that the United States and Europe have all the vaccine, and blah, 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 and it just turned out to not be true at all. South Africa's got plenty of vaccine. They are actually sending it back and have contacted the big companies and said, don't send us anymore. People aren't taking the shot for some reason. That's its own thing, but they've got enough vaccine. So well, they don't trust true. their oppressive, crappy governments, probably. And I was, uh, that, that could be. And that would make sense. I was listening to NPR on the way to work, and um, they had uh, a WHO statement from today in which they talked about the vaccine inequity worldwide and how we need to do better next time. How are you going to do that? What are you going to do? You're going to make rich countries that are almost certainly the countries that develop these vaccines not use it on their own population? What kind of craziness would that be? And how much faster would that get the vaccine to asshole countries anyway? I don't know. The former but president. Good luck getting vaccines quickly in the future if the people that manufacture them don't get to profit from them or they don't get to use them in their own country. Yeah. So it's just, it. it's just dumb. It's just it's fantasy land unicorn crap. Oh, and, and one more item, and this bears mentioning again. Yes, when Trump announced a travel ban to try to protect us from the uh, the galloping uh, COVID, uh, Nancy Pelosi said the following. The Trump administration's expansion of its un-American travel ban is a threat to our security, our values, and the rule of law. Barring more than 350 million people from predominantly African countries from traveling to the U.S., this rule is discrimination disguised as policy. So, yes, they will blatantly, laughingly make wild claims of racism and discrimination and anti-Americanism when they know there's nothing to it. Yes, Nancy and company will do that. They do it all the time. Good morning. I'm not convinced the travel bans are a good idea. Uh, I heard some back and forth on that over the weekend. I'm not sure on uh, how much good they do. Um. And then they punish the countries like South Africa is being punished for letting the world know that they had. So I don't know. I'm not positive on that. It seems to make yeah. sense to me. 
you got the COVID there. We don't want it here, so we're going to ban people from your country to come here until we got it all figured out. Certainly makes sense. Could bear out to be uh, useless. We're doing it. Israel's doing it. Japan's doing it. Europe's doing it. It's not like it's crazy countries that are doing it. No. And, you know, when there's a new variant, especially one that might be, you know, extra nasty, let's give it a couple of weeks till the, the lab guys get a chance to figure out what we're dealing with. And meanwhile, enjoy the lovely, it's it's summer in South Africa. Go surfing. Try not to get eaten by great white sharks. Uh, take a nice hike to Cape Town or something like that. But don't come to the U.S. for a couple of weeks. I don't think it's that big a deal. So there was a bad snowstorm somewhere in England. I didn't even know they had bad snowstorms in England, honestly, but they had a bad snowstorm somewhere. And 61 people got stuck in a pub for three days. Oh, God, is here this, it comes cannibalism, folks. Is this like dream come true sort of thing? <laughs> Back when oh, I drank? no, I'm stuck in a pub. <laughs> for three days. Uh, what, what shall I do with a whole bunch of other people? Probably some of them female. Um... 61 people were stuck in a pub for three days with an Oasis cover band. <laughs> eh, still, I'm still pretty happy. Oh, yeah, with I'm that. still happy. I just thought that was funny. Um, but I mean, after like two days, I'm going to ask him to stop playing. Oh. Yeah, Wonderwall, I love Wonderwall. Not, I don't want to hear it again. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know any other songs? But I came across this in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend because of COVID, and I'm amazed this happened to me again this weekend. I need to call before I go to any business. Because every now and then, way too often, I get there and the business is closed. COVID killed it. Businesses that I could have never imagined closing closed. Mm-hmm. Um, like a shoe store we've been going to, to uh, Famous Footwear. You know, a brand, uh, a chain store we've been getting the kids' school uh, shoes at forever, their whole lives, in a very busy mall, is dead. The Famous Footwear closed. Yeah, mm. in one location. It's just, it's weird. Anyway, mm. Britain has lost 3,250 pubs and bars since the COVID started. Over 3,000 pubs have closed permanently in Britain. That's amazing. 100,000-some restaurants in the United States. That's a... Thank you, China. Thanks, China. Thanks, you bastards. But we'll be there... We'll be there in a couple of weeks to celebrate the Olympics and cheer you on. Oh, good. Uh, speaking of China and communism, hour three, that's the next hour. If you can listen, great. If not, just grab it via podcast later today, wherever you get podcasts, or just go to armstrongandgetty.com. That's an easy way to do it. Uh, Wikipedia is contemplating doing something so horrendous and horrific. If it does, I think I will quit my job. I will go into extensive and and rigorous physical training, and I will take up arms against something. I've got to figure out what exactly. That's a tease. This has gotten me militantly angry. To take up arms. To take up arms. I haven't figured out who I'm shooting. Okay. Somebody. I want to nail that down. Probably the commies. Gotcha. Wherever I find them. You'll explain that to us? I will explain that to you. Of course I will. Want to talk about the new Beatles show? Did anybody watch that over the weekend? I forgot it was out. I got to watch it. That and the bow and arrow guy. That's what I call it to just annoy my son. The what? Hawkeye dad. Bow and arrow guy. <laughs> One of the Marvel movies, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
One of my favorite things, we like end-of-the-year lists. Uh, We got the uh, Merriam-Webster Word of the Year and the runners-up. Ah, always enjoy that. Get to that hour three of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Excellent. I've uh, gotten a glimpse into what retirement might look like for me someday. Oh, really? As we had an extended break for Thanksgiving. Yeah, rapid weight gain and crappy golf. <laughs> I'm starting to think maybe I keep working. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Um, that's a fairly common thing, though. Uh, oh, I don't doubt it. Yeah. I do not doubt it. It'd be easy to do. Um, who are you going to take up arms against? Uh, it's not clear. Not clear. <laughs> Somebody. No, Wikipedia is considering doing something so incredibly outrageous. I, if you're not horrified, you have no human conscience. So uh, we'll talk about that next hour again. If you can't we'll listen live, grab it via podcast uh, at armstrongandgetty.com. Our friend Tim Sandifer retweeted this over the weekend, Tim the lawyer. We didn't talk about or follow the Arbery trial much. Um, all three guys convicted of murder. Mm-hmm. And it would seem they're just stone-cold murderous racists. It would seem. That's um, what the jury decided. It's certainly troubling that the prosecutor wasn't going to even file charges until the video came out. Mm-hmm. That is troubling. And the, the prosecutor's in trouble and being charged with something now themselves. But anyway, the tweet was this. An honest person will admit that both the Rittenhouse and Arbery verdicts were decided correctly on the merits of the individual cases. The jury system worked in both situations. A dishonest person will throw red herrings around attempting to obfuscate the concise charges. Both of those trials came out the way they should have come out. Agreed. With white juries. Mostly, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, there's actually, NPR was trying to tie this other case to it in, in a way that was just so intellectually dishonest and, and just race-baity. Uh, and we could get into that later, too. It's just uh, it's, uh, the arguments, they're, they're completely illogical. They're entirely emotional. But a lot of people go for them. A lot of people think if they're stirred up, that means they're right. So after, uh, like, how however many days of white supremacy run rampant in our justice system and all these different things, I think a sober look at the week was, what a great week for our justice system. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the idea that the Rittenhouse thing was primarily about race, hell, it hardly was at all. I mean, even, it's a stretch to suggest that it was 2% about race. Um, and yet that was the narrative on the lefty channels, which just, it makes it difficult to have a decent discussion about issues, uh, you know, as a country. When a lot of people are being fed a lot of crap, and that's true on the right, too. Don't kid yourself. But anyway, speaking of Kyle Rittenhouse, this is just, this is so frustrating to me. And one of the reasons, one of my great jihads is intellectual freedom on college campuses, because I think we are breeding generations of little ideological fascists. Oh, nice. With the, aid of our sick, sick uh, academia. But so ASU, I'm sorry, Arizona State University student groups are demanding that Kyle Rittenhouse be expelled. He's an online student at this point at ASU. And Jonathan Turley, the uh, excellent uh, legal scholar. And the only reason we should pay any attention to this, because who cares what a few students think, is that universities regularly respond to Yes. A few students. Oh, yeah. No matter how idiotic their progressive request. But anyways, uh, I thought Turley said some really good stuff. He said ASU groups are demanding that Kyle Rittenhouse be expelled. With President Biden expressing anger over the verdict, 
which was so inappropriate, and uh, analysts calling the trial, quote, white supremacy on steroids, there's a sense of legitimacy in demanding such extrajudicial punishments. And that's what it is. Rittenhouse has the right to attend ASU in person and has every right to expect that he can do so safely. If ASU cannot muster the integrity and courage to reaffirm those rights publicly, it is abandoned a core defining element of higher education. Colleges often sit in cringing silence as individual students are targeted and harassed. Students have every right to protest, but ASU must be clear and public in supporting Rittenhouse's right to access an education on its campuses. That's unbelievable. But, you know, I suppose you can't blame those kids if their president said he's troubled by the verdict and you flip on the TV and you see like 10 shows in a row where they state as if it's an obvious fact that it's white supremacy run rampant, you probably think you're doing the right thing. Right, right. And, you know, as you've pointed out more than once, uh, this generation didn't raise themselves. If you have a mirror handy, now granted, um, there are a hell of a lot of uh, communist teachers and administrators and professors running around, had nothing to do with the parents, and you give them a few years, they'll indoctrinate your kids. It's uncomfortable, but it's true. What was the word of the year, according to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary? Was it bootylicious? No, it wasn't. Um, True international suffered to pressure. Maybe that was, is. that was the word of the year. True international suffered to pressure. You gave it away, Michael. Spelled with two T's. Right. Um, At least. We'll have that to kick off Hour 3. Armstrong and Getty.